Welcome to our Wednesday night teaching podcast, brought to you by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, please visit yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. And now, this week's teaching. Tonight we're looking at Psalm 65, and it's a wonderful Psalm of David. Um, it, it's uh, just purely a song of praise. You know, that's why I kind of labeled it Shout for Joy. Just structurally, if you've got your Bible there and you're looking at it, you'll notice that the, it, it begins by saying, Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion. But there are two sections to this psalm, and we really, I mean, it's too big to fit all on one screen, but if you're looking at it in, in the Bible you've got there, at the end of verse 8, it says the evening to shout for joy. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. And then you see that same thing repeated at the end of verse 13, that the, the valleys deck themselves with grain and they shout and sing together for joy. And again, just when you're looking at scripture and you see structural things like that, uh, rhetorical devices, uh, you, you know, it, this was inspired by God, but he used people to do it in their vocabulary and their styles. And they still wrote with intent. You know, when, when you're in a writing class and you're learning how to write, you, you learn how to structure things, how to use different uh, rhetorical devices to make your points, to show your structure, to show your emphasis. And when you see two big sections ending with that same thought of shout for joy, that really clues you into what this is about and the kind of the mood in which we should read it as an exciting and joyful thing. So let's take a look at this here, starting in verse 1. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple, by awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs." You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. You don't know if you've ever just taken a psalm and, and used that as, at the beginning of your personal prayer time. Start your prayer time with that. Just go home and read Psalm 65 out loud uh, to the Lord. It'll, that'll get you going promise you it will. But there's some wonderful things we see here. And what I want to do is just take a few moments and look at some of the different things that David is praising God for. What is he shouting for joy over? Um, and I've, I've tried to just hit a couple categories of it, but there are some even more 
specific things you see here that um, maybe I should have put a, a slide for, but just things we'll note as we work our way through it. First, we see him praising God for forgiving our sin. You know, he acknowledges in verse two that, that God hears prayer and that everybody will come to God because of that. In other words, because they see God answer prayer, people will come to him. But then he says, when iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. You know, there are times that iniquity prevails against us. David's not talking about enemies here. He's talking about his own sinfulness. He's saying, God, when, when I fail in my sin, when, when iniquity prevails against me, you atone for our transgressions. That's worth praising God for. That's worth shouting for joy for, that he forgives us of our sin. Even when we lose, you know, we, we strive to be Christ-like. We strive uh, to be perfect. You know, Jesus says, and I think it's in the Sermon on the Mount too, he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Talk about an impossible thing, but that's our goal. That's what we strive for is perfection, perfect Christ-likeness. But when we fail, it's okay. Because when iniquities prevail against us, he atones for our transgressions. And he gives us grace when we're in times of need. So be thankful for that. Praise him for that. Shout for joy that he forgives us. But he goes further because he, he could forgive us and leave us. And that's where, without going too far down a rabbit trail, some, some people in Christ get too hung up on justification by faith and the fact of our forgiveness of sin. And while we don't want to minimize the importance of the forgiveness of our sin, Jesus didn't die for the purpose of our being forgiven. Okay, forgiveness was not the end. Forgiveness was a means to another end of us being God's people and being with him again. He wanted us to be with him, but that couldn't happen because of sin. He could have died on the cross and let sin be atoned for and then said, you know, I, I love you people, I forgive you, but go spend eternity over there. You still can't be near me. Um, it's just gonna be me and the angels hanging out over here and all you humans be over there. You're not gonna have to go to hell but you're not gonna be with me. Um, he could have said that, you know, but he didn't. He brought us near. He, he made this new covenant that we could be his sons and daughters. And he said, I want you to be my people. I want you to be my family. And I want you to be with me forever. And so you see David in verse four says, blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house the holiness of your temple. That's an amazing thought. I mean, just to meditate on that for a bit. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. I mean, to be in the presence of God. He's given us that opportunity. He's made that a reality. I mean, a real thing that we can be in his presence. And we can be in his presence now, and one day we're going to be in his presence in a way that our minds can't even fathom at the moment. But we know that those things are true and will be true, and we should be praising God for his goodness 
and, and that he's loved us so much, not just to forgive us, but also to bring us near into his very presence, into his own house and the holiness of his temple. Thirdly, we praise him for meeting our needs. He says in verse five, by awesome deeds, you answer us with righteousness. O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. He answers us. He answers our prayers. He meets our needs. And we should praise him for that. You know, I don't know, I've been pretty upfront with myself that voicing appreciation is not my strong suit. I've grown in that. Um, but that's something we need to purpose to do. We need to purpose to thank God for everything that he's given us, every answered prayer, every need that's been met. And so many times he meets our needs without us even asking for it. You know, we don't even know what we need oftentimes, but he does. And he provides in ways that you, I mean, if you've been in the Lord, you know, you look back later and you realize, wow, God was setting this whole thing up way before I even realized I had a need or there was an issue there. And he's so good, so good to us in that. Something else I want to see in terms of meeting our needs that I didn't put for um, a slide, but in verse seven, he, he stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. When you look around at the global landscape, can you see the tumult of the peoples? I mean, that, that's such a fitting analogy to compare it to the roaring of the seas and the roaring of the waves. Our world is in a bad place. You know, the, the peoples are in a tumultuous state, and it seems like that is only increasing around, but God is the one who stills the tumult of the peoples. And we need to pray for that, and we need to rejoice in the reality of it that even in the times that we don't see it, we know that a day is coming when he will still all of the violence, all of the evil, all of the wicked, all of the frustrations of people will be made right. And we can rejoice in that. And I think we should rejoice even before we see the realities of those things, because we do see it at different places. You know, one of the things just to tie it into Matthew is in the kingdom, things are very different than they are in the world. You know, we're in the world, but we're not of it. We are of the kingdom. Even though we're still in the world, physically, bodily, we're of the kingdom. And the kingdom is an alternative way of life to the world's ways. And people can come into the kingdom and they can see righteousness. They can see peace. They can see love. They can see healing. They can see forgiveness. All the things they really long for. I mean, you look at some of the, the cries of people in uh, a lot of the, these riots and things. They're, they're crying out for, in, for justice. They're crying for peace. They're crying for all these things. And the way they go about it makes no sense at all. But what they're really longing for is found in the kingdom. And it's, it's not just one day when Jesus comes back. They, they can begin to taste it now, here. And we need to praise God that he is the one who does that and makes it available even now. And lastly, praise him for caring for his creation. You know, he made this thing and he takes care of it like clockwork. You know, he really does. It's, and I love the way the that David goes into this and several other psalmists do as well. Just we, we would do well to learn from that and look at creation a little more 
intentionally, a little more reflectively. Um, you know, I think we, most of us probably do well looking at a sunrise or a sunset or a mountain range or a scenery and, and we think, wow, that's so beautiful. God is amazing in his ability to create. But I think we could take it a little deeper in our appreciation and awe of what he's done. Listen to this description again. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers. You bless its growth. I mean, he's talking about the water, the soil, the things that God provides to let grain grow. And maybe we don't think about that really because we're not in agriculture. We don't live in an agricultural society. But every slice of bread you eat was grown somewhere. I mean, every burger you eat on a bun, that bread was grown somewhere. You know, and, and those things don't happen without God providing water. Even if it's water that comes from an irrigation system rather than from the rain, that was still something that God provided man with the intelligence in his image to create and to come up with these things. And he still provides enough fresh water for us to use to do those things. We could have all the best inventions in the world, and if the water dries up, it doesn't do us any good. But he goes on, you crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. He provides the animals. He made the animals so that we could eat so that we can have milk, so that we can have clothing. All of these things come from God's provision of resources that are there, and he makes sure that it's all there for us. And if you, I mean, truly, it's, it's all for humanity. When you look at some of the other Psalms, it speaks of how he created the earth to be inhabited. He made everything, he stacked the deck of this creation in order for humanity to be able to thrive and to live and to be what he's created it to be. And we just need to thank him. We need to shout for joy and rejoice that God has provided for us all of the things that we need, whether fruit-bearing trees, crops that are grown, cattle and livestock that are, that are herded and, and raised to be used for food and other things. We just need to thank God for continuing to care for us by caring for his creation. So I want to challenge you again, maybe go home tonight or tomorrow during your prayer time um, and spend some time, you know, maybe read through this a couple times, just silently to yourself, meditating on a few different parts of it, and then just read it out loud between you and God and, uh, and just see how that impacts your prayer times. I think you, you may end up making a habit of doing things like that because it's, it's a wonderful thing. Thanks for listening to our Wednesday night teaching podcast brought to you by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, please visit yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Until next time, God bless you.